Hi, welcome to this episode of Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis, your host. Tell us your story. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis. And we have Mark Greathouse today who has written, I believe he just told me, eight books. And that's a lot of words, folks, uh, a lot of stories. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. And we'll kind of take it from there. You know how kind of author AK works. We just go with the flow. So uh, go ahead, sir. Take it away. All right. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate it. Again, it's Mark. Great house. Catch me on Amazon, Barnes and anyway. Uh, latest book. It's the sixth of a series of Tumbleweed Sagas. Uh, the story of a fellow named a Texas Ranger named Luke Dunn, who uh, is kind of a prototypical Texas Ranger, which is kind of cool given that this year we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of the Texas Rangers. So kind of kind of cool deal. And they're, um, they're still active, by the way. There's still Texas Rangers oh, today yeah. that do a lot of the more of the uh, high-profile things and everything. So there are still Texas Rangers, but they uh, they drive cars and stuff. Oh, maybe, yeah. It's, maybe it's been a way oh. since uh, Frank Hammer and Bonnie and Clyde. You know, we get we yeah. get um, uh, In fact, uh, to, to, to be... Uh, Straight here, I've actually uh, just did an article for the uh, Roundup magazine, the Western Writers of America magazine, and uh, on Texas Rangers because I have four Texas Rangers in the family, and I'm sure there's viewers out oh, wow. there That's that awesome. have lawmen in their background. Mm -hmm. But uh, actually, my grandfather was a ranger, and uh, we, we can get into that. But I'll, I will say that I I had known of it, but I happened to be in a little place called Falfurious, Texas, a couple of years, few years back, and they have a little museum there. And I figured, oh, check it out. I love to check out, do research, mm -hmm. check out museums, walk where my characters walked and all that. And lo and behold, they had a Texas Ranger wing. I get in there, and what do you think I find? The muster in and muster out papers of my own grandfather, Horace Greathouse. No, that's pretty slick. And that's, a photograph of his company. Yeah. Oh, mind wow. blowing. Mind blowing. Oh, that's you just never know. By the way, the Texas Ranger uh, Museum is in Waco, Texas. Correct. Any of you all yeah. want to stop by there on your way down uh, 35 to Austin or San Antonio? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's uh, an amazing, actually, smaller museums that, that are around Texas. Mm -hmm. Every one of them is, is, is worth it. You get a little, little different uh, spin. Exactly. exactly. But anyway, so my, my tumbleweed sagas uh, occur uh, from, basically about 1856 and run through to the end of the war between the states. Uh, notably down Texas way, they don't call it the civil war. I'm going to get that straight. Um, it's the war between the states or the war of Northern aggression, but there's nothing civil about it as far as uh, the, the Texans were concerned or, or much of the South for sure. But at any rate, Luke is out. Uh, he's a immigrant from uh, Ireland and, uh, he uh, is uh, finds it necessary to leave Ireland since he's been associated with some rebel causes over there. And between that and the famine and, and the British oppression in general, he finds his way down to Corpus Christi where he's got relatives and uh, gets into law enforcement, starts out as a deputy sheriff and he's uh, policing cockfights and stuff like that. And uh, ultimately he latches into uh, a Texas Ranger who recruits him. And that's where his, his life begins, basically trying to deliver justice and redemption mm -hmm. on this, what's called the Nueces Strip, 
The Oasis Strip is basically southern Texas. Some folks called it the Wild Horse Desert, uh, but it it was tough country, a lot of prairie towards the eastern part. Then it gets up to the some of the hill country up towards Uvalde, Texas, and mm-hmm. and, and then all the way west to Laredo. And uh, tough country, but of course he has the love of his life. He pursues all sorts of desperados. Uh, one in particular in the first book, it's called Oasis Justice. He's actually got a guy named Bad Bart of all names, uh, but he's pursuing the guy. He finally gets some deads to rights. He's got a gun on him and he's trying to get the guy to surrender. And he warns the guy not to move a muscle. Well, ah, the guy moves a muscle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know there's a rattlesnake at head level right next to him. And as soon as he moves, ouch. Oh, he's done. He's cooked. So uh, early early on, our uh, our hero uh, has some uh, success in bringing the bad guys to justice, sometimes mm-hmm. with a little help from uh, <laughs> Mother Nature. Exactly. Um, But um, uh, we've got uh, a uh, a woman who uh, is kind of loses at love, if you will. She winds up in a body house in uh, Laredo. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, uh, this is the case of uh, as we move through the uh, through the sagas, becomes a uh, a case of redemption actually uh she's a she fights it all away but you know it's a it's a great great to follow how she how she goes goes through the process uh we've got a uh, a couple of uh, Comanche mm-hmm. uh and uh, uh they're they're rather fun to, to to write about one is called uh, as a Comanche chief named three toes um and he's got the name you know the Indians tended to name apply names that were associated with some event in their lives mm-hmm. or associated with something. And, uh, for, 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 in his case, he lost a couple toes in battle and he only had three. So three toes. And, uh-huh. uh, he, he's, he's kind of got it in his mind to kind of get Luke done our hero. Uh, but, uh, Luke fools him of all things mm-hmm. and captures him. And, uh, actually they then become friends and, uh, Three Toes is trying to understand the white man's ways so he can help mm-hmm. his people. So we go th- go through that process. Right. Later on, we have another in a, in a later uh, Tumbleweed Sagas. We've got uh, uh, One Arrow, who gets his name for having shot a buffalo as a youth with One Arrow, killed a oh, buffalo. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, That's pretty hard. <laughs> right. And actually, Travis and I were just talking earlier about being at Custer State Park. Um we were actually at this year, got to see a buffalo herd, and my wife got a picture of a buffalo 10 feet away from the car. It was huge. A big cow. Woo. Anyway, yeah. Huge. yeah. You don't get that in the car. You don't Amazing miss. animals. Anyway, so my tumbleweed sagas, there's six out now. There's a seventh and final one that will be coming called Noasis Legend. Uh, I'd like to hopefully going to get that out towards the end of this year. Um, and... Uh, but at any rate, uh, there were two more books in my uh, that Defiance Press has p- published for me. Uh, one being uh, Nicholas Dunn, The Making of a Texas Legend, which is actually a, a biography. Technically, it's historical fiction because I uh, I throw in uh, dialogue and that sort of thing. But it's a story of my great great grandfather, uh, a gentleman who uh, arrived as a 15 year old in 1850 wow. with a family plow 
and two uncles. One was uh, established a blacksmith shop in Corpus Christi, and the other was a rancher. And they had come at the bidding of a third uncle, a guy named Matt Dunn, who uh, was uh, uh, taken. He was, from, he was from Ireland? Yeah, all from County Kill you, there. You want to hear a story? Yeah. My great-grandfather, last name is Dunn, from Ireland, Cork County, Cork, around that area. Okay. And came to the United States in 1880 or something on the ship that was a blue star ship before the Titanic. It was a, Came over and settled from initially in Buffalo, New York with his brother. Okay. Then down to Arkansas, Mississippi area, because there was a large migration of, of Irish that oh, yeah. settled in that part of the United States. So that's, that's crazy. That's I mean, that's, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Dunn in Ireland yeah. is like Very Smith common. or Brown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in yeah, fact, exactly. it means Brown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So, so he came as a, as a 15 year old. His, the rest of his family arrived a year later. You know, he's very happy to meet him at the dock. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say his his the, the first uncle that arrived actually came in 1845 and uh, was given a uh, property by Colonel Kinney, the founder of Corpus Christi, in exchange for minding the colonel's fighting cocks. Um, oh, wow. And yeah. And he served as a sutler to General Zachary Taylor during the Mexican-American War. Who's a president, uh, by the way, folks? Right. Eventually, yes, he was. <laughs> Good old Zach. Yeah, I knew him. What? No, yeah. I don't go that. Far back. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, my great again, his name was Nicholas Dunn. He arrives in 1850. He learns about livestock and ranching. He actually uh, gets on some cattle drives. Uh, he gets a reputation, as I come to find out in my research, as quite a Comanche fighter and a marksman. And uh, gets a good reputation along those lines. He eventually um, acquires land. He gets a ranch. He has about 15,000 acres near a town of what is now Alice, Texas, railroad town. Um, and he raises uh, nine children with his wife, uh, Adrienne. And uh, at any rate, it was a, That's a small family back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. And two more brothers eventually. Yeah. Come. Oh, wow. I mean, and and so it's 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 quite the family enterprise. And I think now the latest what we got out of the family tree um, through nine, 10 generations, been able to identify twenty three hundred descendants to the five brothers. Most of them still in Texas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And they were a family great. reunion is going to cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, they actually they, they had one. I think the last one was in 2010, and they had like seven or eight hundred people attend wow. in Corpus Christi. Yeah, that's a lot so, of chicken. Hey man, <laughs> <laughs> but the stories that were associated with with my great great grandfather, from mm. Comanche attacks to uh, the some of the history of the area, dealing with the, uh, the famous 1875 Good Friday raid, uh, mm. yellow fever, uh, all those kind of things. He eventually right. he lived to be 77. He died in 1912. Oh, wow. And uh, he was feisty. They said he had a Texas twang with an Irish brogue. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a hoot. 
Um, and then the uh, the other book uh, that I I uh, that Defiance published for me was an anthology. It's an anthology called uh, Tumbleweed Tumblings, Western Tales and Verses, and basically it's a collection of short stories and poetry of the West. Oh, wow. uh, primarily focused on on Texas, but uh, some of the short stories are are a lot of fun. Some of them are background on mm -hmm. characters in the Tumbleweed sagas, right? And uh, they're uh, they're entertaining. I can assure you, some of them are really funny. Uh, they're uh, all available on, on Amazon or on, on, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and any popular, right? right? All available online. Most of my books they're available in print and uh, ebook the first five tumbleweed sagas are available in audio as well okay so excellent perfect for summer or fall uh, oh yeah, yeah. at the fall. beach uh yeah. truck drivers love right you know put in audio uh, book and listen yeah that's a great idea oh yeah oh absolutely. But what, what made you uh what made you write start writing about the west or how long you've been writing or what, what oh my goodness all right Let's very briefly, but start at the beginning. I've graduated up here from uh, a major university up here, uh, University of Maryland. <laughs> anyway, I went uh, that. English English degree. <laughs> I got into got into the defense industry. I write tech manuals. It was a real art form, but you had to write at a sixth, yep. unfortunately, at sixth grade level. But I wrote the operating procedures for ballistic missile submarines. Okay, right down to the countdowns. It was cool. I even got a ride on one. Got oh, wow, that's awesome. It's wild. Beautiful, beautiful beasts, those submarines. Mm. And they eat like kings. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so I've been I I, I from that I, I got into a broader range of publications. I got into uh strategic business plans, um, speech writing, video mm. scripting, uh public relations. I even wrote pieces of uh congressional legislation. Uh I ran my I was broke worked for a couple of large defense contractors and for one of them i headed their corporate PAC, political action mm -hmm. committee yeah. um got involved in community affairs i mm -hmm. was president of a major chamber of commerce um you know i i, I just I, I loved it uh right. but i was writing constantly i tried self-publishing a couple books didn't go very well uh one of them was a self-help book for men you know how that goes mm -hmm. um we don't listen we don't listen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I finally had a, a novel for teens that that seemed to hit it off that I self-published uh, called Jackson's Journey. Uh, sorry, Defiance. They didn't get to publish that one. Um, but uh, every once in a while, so they, the, yeah. <laughs> sell it every you. once in a while, I get a check. <laughs> <laughs> and that was 2007. So oh, wow. uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, I uh, I finally, after my, my dad passed away, for some reason, I got into a uh, family history and family tree that he had gotten hold of. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, wow, this would make some good stories. Right. I really love Texas. If, if it wasn't for my kids and my soon-to-be grandchild living up here in Pennsylvania, yeah. we'd, we'd be retired in Texas. Right. But that's not going to happen. Right. understand that. Yeah. Got to got to keep that marriage going anyway. Um, and uh, so I started to write a biography of this, of the, uh, the Nicholas Dunn, my great, great grandfather. And uh, that was fascinating because I could I could go back to the, uh, uh, the the history to to where I could 
dig it out. It was hard to find because it's, it's, the British destroyed so much in Ireland. Right. Uh, but I was able to dig out a lot of family records. I even got a contact with a, a, a somebody in Australia sent me information that kind of came out of the blue. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, it grabbed my attention. It turns out that I had a, a cousin, John Hillard Dunn. Eventually, I'm publishing his biography. It's written. It's called Tough Ombre. Eventually, it'll get out. Um, but uh, he registered it with the Texas Historical Association. And... Uh, it laid out a family narrative. I went, it was only about 40 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I transcribed it and took care of some typos, but basically it formed the framework for writing the, that story, my, my grand, great-great-grandfather's story. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that, I said, wow, what else could I do? So it was about this time that I got involved with a little organization called the Texas Nationalist Movement. You heard of that? Next. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I do. I know about that. Okay. <laughs> you know, Dan. Yeah. Um, and anyway, his wife, Kara, says, I joined that. I wanted to find out more about, well, what about Texas secession? What do they got in mind? Mm-hmm. And uh, in the course of my research. And mm-hmm. uh, she says, hey, I got somebody to put you in touch with. She puts me in touch with Dave Roberts. Mm-hmm. And I started my little dance back. This is t- the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Mm-hmm. A little dance with Defiance Press, and uh, eventually uh, they, you know, Dave says, "Well, I like this this biography you've done. Uh, what else you got?" And right. lo and behold, I had this 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 other book, the first one, mm-hmm. Oasis Justice. So we set up uh, the little partnership deal they had. Well, the book sold. It, it you know, a few hundred copies. And uh, they felt good enough about it, to, which is a good, which yeah. is good for a first-time publisher, for first-time oh, author. Oh my goodness! Blew me away. Good. Oh yeah, and uh, so they put me under a, a traditional contract mm-hmm. and committed to another four books, and uh, it, it went on from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been certainly, uh, certainly quite blessed, and uh, just continue not only continuing that story, but I'll tell you, Travis, I got a backlog of books. I've got the seventh and final saga that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I've got an alt history mm-hmm. on Sam Houston. Oh, wow. Which is going to be a pot boiler because his dream was to annex Mexico and then run for president of the United States. And there's writings that he, he expressed that. Oh, wow. um, so in my alt history, we make that happen. Um I've got a uh, I've got the aforementioned uh, biography of John Hiller Dunn, tough hombre, who was fascinating. He, he turned out to be a railroad man, mm-hmm. um, worked on the Panama Canal. He helped build some Texas railroads. He spent a big part of his career as a roadmaster on the Nickel Plate Railroad up in Terry mm-hmm. Hodden, Indiana. returned to Texas, became an oil guy mm-hmm. uh, before he passed. Um, I've got a um, uh, a book called uh, on a on a it's a a mystery Western uh, called Lone Star Vigilante, where uh, we got a retired Texas Ranger who's frustrated with the time it takes for the law to wreak justice and uh, takes the law into his own hands. And they got a, you know, you're talking 1890. Well, I, think I think we're coming back to that. <laughs> yeah. 18, well, yeah. 
1895. And you yeah. know what? Forensics are trying to find a vigilante. The guy works in the dark. Right. All you, you know what? Pretty much guess what kind of rifle he's firing. Right. And not much less. There, there's, exactly. there's so few clues. And I have twists in that plot that'll blow a reader's mind. Um, and then um, I am, uh, I left one out, I'm sure. But um, I uh, have I've just started a novel uh, that would probably be ready towards the end of the year uh, for teens. And it's going to be about a young man whose family is he's family's homesteaded in the eastern part of what's called the Comancheria. Mm-hmm. And for viewers who don't know what that is, it was a region populated by the hostile tribes, mostly mm-hmm. Comanche, mm-hmm. ergo the name Comancheria. And Comanche, incidentally, in the Ute language, where they loosely translated that to enemy. So Comanche, oh, that wow. kind of said it all. Oh, wow. And, and they were nasty people, man. You know, we won't go into the tortures. They were ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the, as never mind. Well, we'll get to it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Comancheria basically extended from as far south as San Antonio, north into Kansas and Colorado, western Oklahoma, eastern New Mexico, mm-hmm. and that whole panhandle region of Texas. Um, so, and it was, if you thought the Prairie and the frontier was rough. Comancheria is ten times that. It was brutal, huh. and so they chose to hit to Homestead. And the young man is off fishing one day, comes home to find that his family's been massacred by Comanche. And they're oh wow! So it's uh, safe to assume that you'll be having more books in the future. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't keep the good work. You know, Louis Lamour wrote. He wrote what? One hundred nine novels. Oh yeah. I'm a long way. I got a long way to go, man. I'm on my third, and I hope to be done by uh, November into the year. Have it out probably June, July next year. It'll be my third. Really, really. Uh, and so, how do you uh, how do you write? Do you outline? Do you how do you? What's your writing style? I, I don't. I don't. By the way, <laughs> um, you know. I've in a, in a writer's group. I hear it. I've heard it in. Uh, I've, I've gone to three uh, Western Writers of America conventions now. Um, and by the way, next year's is in Tulsa in June, Oklahoma, and in 2025 it's going to be in Amarillo, Texas. Ah, um, nice places. Oh yeah, loved yeah. Amarillo. Yeah. Um, my big steak there. If you eat it all, you don't have to pay for it. Yeah, that's what I heard. But I saw the size of the thing. And I'm like, whoa, baby. 64 ounces or 80 some ounces. I'm like, oh, yes. I think 64. I think you yeah. nailed it. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. But I did, by the way, I did get, we we did get to Dallas. I got a niece lives in Euless. Okay. Oh, and we did the Fort Worth Stockyards, which I've done before, but it was oh, yeah. great to go back there. But she took us to the Hard Eight Barbecue down in Roanoke. Oh, that's good. Oh, it was delightful. They got one in the colony, too. It's really good. Yeah, I like I like that. There you go. So at any rate, but uh, where were we? <laughs> oh. oh, you're right, Tom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it, it's inspiration. I, I have I have never once in writing westerns experienced what they call writer's block. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people look at me like you're kidding. No, it's a matter of it just flows. You're so motivated so inspired to get out 
a message. And my underlying message is you want to leave something behind to your kids, you know, the world uh, of, of some meaning of some significance. You know? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have, I only have writer's block until I get the beginning of the book, right? And then once, once I get the beginning of the book, right, then I don't have writer's block. I could just, I have just this thoughts and I write them all out and then I'll write not in sequential order in a book. I'll write oh, different okay. parts of the book and make them all match up. Um, you know, I'll have some ideas like, Oh, I want to do this. I'll say, okay, let me put this part. And I know how to make it back up as I go. But yeah, I don't, uh, but once I get writing, I'll, I, like I sat down, I, you know, I exercise in the morning and I sat down outside um, and I probably wrote a thousand, 2000 words, you know, hunkering down just writing them oh that's about the max you can do in the morning too isn't it yeah after that i'm like uh you know the energy the energy expended it does it's it's mentally draining i'll do some more later today because i have some ideas that i want to put in there but um, oh yeah i was uh, what i do i'll tell you uh, honestly uh, i outline after the fact so i'm able to go back and reference stuff because this the story flows oh yeah Uh, and uh i even for the first novel if I'm ever fortunate enough, I almost got a bite. I did a uh, six-part TV miniseries script. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called a spec script, so it's pretty lean. Yeah, uh, not like a shooting script, as you might know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I actually had a, a producer, actor, director interested, but he wanted me to go raise the money for it. And I went, "Oh yeah, okay, sure, I'm up to that." <laughs> um, well, I'll just I have some check. connections, but. <laughs> I'm not a big enough stockholder in some of the stuff I hold stock. In. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, the the inspiration flows, and you know what what keeps it on fire too is, and I I, I reach out to fellow writers, uh, read, 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 and not just stuff in your own genre. Right. Um, I read. I just finished up. I've been uh, immersed the last few weeks in uh, stories about mountain men. I just read John Myers Myers book about uh, Hugh Glass, the guy that the movie The Revenant was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a uh, good movie. Oh, it was a awesome. tough old man. Holy smokes! Oh my gosh! Yeah, and and honestly, from what Myers is highly recommended as an historian, what he was able to gather from mostly anecdotal and hearsay writings mm-hmm. about Glass, it the movie pretty much stuck to it, except huh. he didn't kill Fitzgerald and Bridger. Okay. From all indications. Right. And ultimately, Glass meets his end at the hand of Arakawa Indians. Right. The Rikis, they called them. Um, so uh, it's that occurred maybe 10 years or so after uh, after the, the incident with the grizzly bear. Huh. Uh, but he actually, actually forgives Bridger uh-huh. as he figures, hey, he's too young. And then Fitzgerald, the other guy that left him behind at the at the grizzly, you know, at the the site, right. um, he uh, Fitzgerald has joined the army, and the commandant won't let Glass kill a soldier. <laughs> so Glass figures, okay, That's probably a good thing. <laughs> if you give me back, if he gives me back my rifle, we'll call it okay. I was in the army. We, I didn't try to. I didn't want to kill any of my guys. I wanted to strangle them. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So anyway, um, one of the other things that keeps it going, I I do a lot of research. I like to walk 
the ground that my characters walk. So I've walked mm-hmm. all over the Oasis Strip. Um, I had a cousin, uh, uh, Patrick. I, uh, uh, by the way, I there are three Texas state historical markers down in Corpus Christi area to my family. Oh, John wow, Dunn, Matthew Dunn, and Patrick Dunn. Patrick, from the late 1800s to early 19, almost like 1937, 38, mm-hmm. actually raised longhorns on the north on North Padre Island outside of Corpus Christi. Oh, wow. And they, they dug freshwater wells on the, uh, on that, you know, strip of land. That's and, not very big. Well, it was big enough. Like, yeah. Every 25 miles, they had a Vaccaro station and he built part of his house from, uh, driftwood from, uh, shipwrecks and yeah. raised his, raised his family there and in Corpus Christi proper. They used to, bring the cattle across they'd wade them across until they dug a channel mm-hmm. and then they had to ferry them right um but it was a fascinating time you go back there and you see just see the sea of of grass right and that's the way it was I and mean, it's amazing cool. yeah in my um, book too i put a lot of all the places are real like the towns oh, yeah. are real and i try to visit them or i've been there right yep. uh some in russia i haven't been to so that gets a little tough right now but well, yeah, the other well, I try to go to or be there or I was on a podcast yesterday with somebody and we talked a lot about the research that goes into a book. Oh, you know, goodness. people think oh. about, okay, if, if it's nonfiction, there's a lot of research. Fiction books have an, just an enormous amount of research because you want to make it where it's oh, yeah. believable. It's not oh, sci-fi, yeah. right? It's believable. Yeah. I mean, I have relatives who are steeped in guns they'll tell me everything i want to know about you know if i got an 1851 colt navy i better be depicting an 1851 colt navy right. and having the right caliber and a whole nine yards yeah, yeah, exactly you know um if the, you got one uh, hold on to it <laughs> oh yeah i, love I got a, i got a replica um 1895 winchester that was a special you know and that's featured in my lone star vigilante book right but um drawing you know going to to uh museums uh libraries uh archives and libraries archives and newspapers mm-hmm. i mean i got newspaper articles that are i got a list uh, uh from a newspaper in 1867 at a corpus christi a page that listed the folks who died from yellow fever the population at the time of corpus christi was about 1100 mm-hmm. That newspaper article listed 110 folks. 100%. Five of them were my ancestors. Oh wow! Done. That's crazy. Yeah. Whoa! Wild. Hmm. Um, so you find these gems. Um, same year, I had a cousin who uh, was befriended some uh, some Mexicans who had stopped by his ranch, hmm. uh, water their horses, and that sort of thing. The next day, they came back, figuring that they were going to rob him of money he'd gotten from selling some livestock mm-hmm. they shot him in the back of the head and oh, then wow. the, the the law eventually tracked these guys down and, and captured him but you know wild and crazy stuff that was uh, crazy 1875 i had a cousin uh red john dunn who mm-hmm. spent 10 years as a texas ranger uh under some he even served under mcnally at one point uh, but he was under some uh, less than savory uh, ranger captains of the time, actually. Mm-hmm. He met John Wesley Harden, famed murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he helped raise the posse at the Good Friday raid of 1875 in Corpus Christi, where a whole slew of Mexican bandits had come in and took a bunch of folks hostage, including members of, of my, my family. And uh, they murdered some folks. Uh, they There was a general store where they robbed this guy named Noakes. Mm-hmm. They robbed his saddles. And and for better or worse, probably mostly worse, any Mexican caught with a Noakes saddle after that for a few years was history. Oh, wow. Terrible. Yeah, you'd, you'd find them strung. Little neck oh, wow. Um, But they actually raised a posse. And... Uh, uh, the Duns and the Whalens and the Swanks and about a dozen of them, 10, I think, actually. And uh, they went after the bandits and actually freed the hostages. No hostages were harmed. And they chased the bandits off. Only one person was killed, one of the hos- one of the posse. Wow. And they were thinking about chasing the Mexicans down to Mexico, but they were out of ammo. So it was over. <laughs> <laughs> no, wasn't they Those Cabela's. are the kind of stories you draw upon, Travis. You know, yeah, there's no like, Cabela's on their way down there back then. The Cabela's didn't exist or, uh, or any of against Smith and shops and stuff. So, what, um, so you got that, you got your another couple books coming out. Yep. Um, you do a lot of research for a book. So they're very believable. So, folks, you know, when you read them, you can be in the story. That's what's the key, exactly. right? Is being in the story and, and being one of the characters that most, uh, you know, you like or resembles you or you want to be like or something. So, right, that's that's great. I mean, that's you're quite. I mean, you have man. It's and sometimes you stories. Take, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you take, like you take a little risk. Like I got one book. It's about twenty five percent done. It's on the back burner. It's a uh, it's called Alyssa's story. And it's my protagonist from Noasis Truth. Mm-hmm. It's his wife. And it's her story from her diary. Oh wow. You know, and so I've tried to that's that takes kind of a special thing because right. you gotta get yourself into well, how's a woman? What's she gonna write in her diary? You know? Right. So do you, but, do you have to read your books in sequence or are they independent? Do you read uh, like- they can stand independently. Yeah. yeah they so can. Though I leave it hanging in the end, it makes you want to get the next one. Excellent. <laughs> then you got to go back and see, figure out who the kind of the characters yeah. are. Which Wait, is well, in listen, the book because you have to reintroduce everybody. Right? How much do you reintroduce everybody in the second book? Well, I have in the front a list of characters, mm-hmm. both fictional and historical, right. so people can, can kind of get Excellent. a little handle on it. I've got a map, and in the latest versions, I've actually got a uh, a little cool thing that came out of. Uh, looking at the history of the filming of Lonesome Dove, this is hard to see in the in the camera, but it's a layout of Noasis Town, which is a, now a ghost town, which formed the basis of my tumbleweed saga. It was base ten. Interesting, interesting. So it was cool. a ferry that Colonel Kinney had established. Um, but the the real risk, the, actually, this book I mentioned, the the novel that I'm doing for teens, is. Uh, I've written every written everything third person. Um, okay, and this is going to be my first go writing first person. Ah, and which if you like, you read a lot of Louis L'Amour. That's that's his thing, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's you know weaving that story from because I think you can get into a person the the character's head and what they're thinking right so much more than being the third. The, the outside observer. Right, right. Looking above. Yeah. 
Yeah, I let mine in third person because it's just there's so much going on there's so many different things going on it, it'd be hard to switch back and forth and there you go and you know i didn't know what i was doing when i started so <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah no, that's that. for sure so where can folks get a hold of you where can they contact you all right you got uh my website at tumbleweed.me me uh or mark greathouseauthor.com you can get me on facebook at Tumbleweed Sagas, or at Mark Greathouse. Okay. Um, and uh, that's those are really the best. I'm on Instagram too, but I don't I don't go down that road very often. Right. Uh, Facebook primarily. Okay. Excellent. And then of course you go out. Excuse me to defiancepress.com. And uh, right. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Read all the what? books or Amazon or whatever. And if folks, uh, I do have on the tumbleweed.me, I've got access to like uh, 125 videos or so. I cut videos every now and then that give insights to uh, Western life, to writing, mm-hmm. to uh, all manner of stuff. In fact, I'm getting ready. Uh, I, I did it for my writer's group kind of as a preview, but this coming Tuesday, I've got a, uh, I do a, a pitch on uh, Western genre history and culture. Um, huh. got a little 11 minute video that I shot, uh, talks about the history of the genre right? and, uh, kind of fun because Western genre is special to it's Americana and it's so mm-hmm. special because there's so many subgenres. I mean, I, I make the case that star Wars is the Western. Western. Yeah. It's got good triumphant over evil on the frontier, you know, the whole, I think there's arc. something to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but my son's a big Star Wars guy. I would say that he probably, uh, Dad, you can't visit me anymore, sort of thing. <laughs> well, I was in Barnes and Noble the other day, and I'm looking for a C.J. Box book, uh, uh-huh. Stormwatch. And I asked a clerk, I said, where the heck is it? He says, oh, that's in the mystery section. It's a Western. Right. It's another triplet novel. You know, come on. So, so, <laughs> so do you have any book signings coming up? Folks uh, actually, 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 I have this Tuesday event coming up for the uh, uh, Historical Gettysburg Adams County Preservation Society. It's okay. actually pretty active. They salvage barns and battlefield mm-hmm. stuff around the Gettysburg area. It's a pretty cool organization. And uh, we're meeting there at their uh, their headquarters in Gettysburg. Uh, anyone who can get there, it's uh, 7 o'clock, 53 East Main Street, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and I'll be doing the video and then a follow up with some anecdotal stuff, some of which I mm-hmm. shared today. And uh, signing books will be available. Yep. Well, so, it was yeah. uh, it was interesting to say the least. I I, I feel like I just had a, a history class. <laughs> no test. <laughs> I hope they're not a test. I mean, please. I hope there's not a test. <laughs> that was amazing. Man. I, I, uh, I you know what I enjoy most about. Uh, you know, doing the podcast is you meet a just a wide, diverse group of people and all different stories, but they have there's almost a common thread among amongst all authors, right? It's oh yeah, even if it's a thinnest thread, there is something that they all kind of you know it, it, they talk about and and or relate to or how they do this or how they do that. That's that's what I find so oh, interesting, yeah. and I've learned just a a ton of, you know, I probably have some of the the largest uh, 
brain matter of useless knowledge known to man and uh it comes in handy sometime it's only it's only useless <laughs> until you put it in a book right Travis? I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> my wife says how do you come up with all this stuff i go I grew up in the seventies. I don't. That's all I you don't. You don't even have to have willing suspension of disbelief on this stuff. That's right. I just. I just all right. Love this stuff. Quick. A quick story. Yeah. Uh, a true one. Um, I had a uh, a cousin. Uh, the the one of the sons of this my great great grandfather mm-hmm. uh, became a uh, rancher and a banker in Alice, Texas, and uh, he uh, he was in his bank one day, and he had his. Uh, this was uh, in the early 1900s, about 1920s, mm-hmm. and uh, he had his foot on a on a on a rail in front of the teller window, and some itinerant comes in there who's all ticked off because he didn't pay his mortgage and he's been kicked, being evicted, mm-hmm. and he comes in and he kicks. My cousin was like six three, pretty big dude. He kicks his foot off the rail. My, uh, the story, of, according to witnesses, is my cousin laid him out with one punch um, teeth <laughs> the whole nine yards <laughs> all right and this is where it gets good he realized that he'd lost a cufflink so he takes this guy by the scruff of the neck and they go around until he finds the cufflink and then he kicks him out the front door of the bank well this guy is all upset and he goes to his buddies at the Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. and he says I told him what happened da, 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 da. well who did this to you Oh, it was John Dunn. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, my God. That's crazy. It, it didn't even charge me any extra interest on his notes. So that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's been excellent talking to you. Really, folks, All right. check Appreciate out his books. Uh, and uh, you'll learn a lot about uh, the West. You bet. All right. Take it easy. Thanks, kindly. Hey, bye. You bet. Thank you for listening to Author Eke. There'll be another episode next week. Please stop by and start your own story. We can't wait to hear it.